0: You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible?
1: Well, hello, I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? Question, are you afraid to die? You know, I think we don't like the thought of it. You know, no one ever gets up, a couple never gets up and says, Hey, honey, it'd be a great day to go pick out a cemetery plot. You know, beautiful sunny day. Wouldn't it be a great day to do that? No, we don't. We sort of put that stuff off, you know. But, you know, for me and probably you also, it's how we have to die. We know, we all know that, you know, death and taxes is a sure thing. But it's how we have to die. And I pray that God will give me the grace to die well, that I won't just simply hold on. You know, when the quality of life is gone, I don't think I'm going to want to hang around. At least I pray that I don't want to hang around and that God will give me the grace just to say, you know, bye-bye, goodbye, I'm out of here. Did you know there's a process called cryonics that you know, when we talk about afraid to die, I mean, believe me, there are people that truly are afraid to die. And this process called cryonics is, is where they, they freeze you like in a deep freezer or something. They freeze, in some cases, the entire body. It's very expensive, very expensive. In hope that doctors, scientists will one day have the knowledge, the education to fix whatever you died from if you died of cancer they'll have a cure for that but that they will be able to fall this body back out and fix it now get this in some cases they only they can't afford to to freeze the whole body and they just f- freeze the head in hopes now get this you know you wonder where some people's faith is at some people think it's silly to have faith in God. Well, I think this is silly. In hopes that they can attach that, robot, uh, that head, thaw it out, and attach it to a robotic body. Now, this is, this is some kind of faith, is it not? maybe it's blind faith i don't know but you know it just deals with the fact that it's called i think it's they refer to it as immortality on ice you know in hopes that one day the doctors the scientists they'll come up with a way to thaw it out and bring it back to life this body that has been frozen well you know again that's it just has to do with the fact that of the fear of death the fear of death. Now, the approach I want to take today is a little bit different. I don't necessarily want to deal with whether people are saved or lost or anything like that. I want to ask the question, what does the Bible say happens to people regardless of whether they're saved or not, whether they're religious or not? In other words, it doesn't matter. What does the Bible say happens to people when they die regardless of whether they're Christian, non-Christian, saved, lost, you know, atheists. What does the Bible say? You know, when people, someone comes up to me and says, you know, I'm an atheist, or I don't believe in God, or I'm not religious, and I don't like that religious stuff, it really doesn't bother me, because I understand that God is not calling them now. And so I really don't care if a person says, I'm an atheist, or I don't believe in God, or I don't like that religious stuff, because I understand the reason they're like that is because God is not calling them right now. You know, one of the things that the day of Pentecost, one of God's annual holidays, one of the things it represents is that God is calling along with receiving the Spirit of God. The other meaning of that day is that God is calling a first fruit. He's not calling the majority right now. He's calling a small minority for salvation right now and that's one of the meanings of that holy day pentecost you know i don't buy the concept the idiotic concept that god is on one side just desperately trying to get everybody saved and the devil is on the other side desperately trying to get everybody lost i don't buy that for one second did you know that that only christians only account for about 20 percent of this world's population the other 80 are you know, Eastern religion or some other kind of religion but are non-religious, Christianity only accounts for about 20%. What does that tell you? Well, according to many people's own belief system, it tells you that, oh boy, evidently 80% of the earth's population is going to hell when they die. According to people's faith. According to mainstream, you know, Christianity's doctrines. It's heaven or hell. Saved or lost right now. 80% pr- get that. 80 percent that's a lot of people looks like god could do a better job than that now if you're not religious should you be afraid of death answer no no you shouldn't the reason i say that is because god is a lot more merciful than you or i give him credit for he really is let's take a look at this verse and see what jesus said about people Saved, lost, just people in general. And regardless of who they are, what they are, what does Jesus Christ say? What does your Bible say about people when they die? Let's take a look. In John 5 and verse 28, he says, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice. Did you get that? And let me tell you something, all means all all are going to hear his voice. I'm talking religious and non-religious. I'm talking rich and poor. I'm talking believers and non-believers. I'm talking about good people. I'm talking about serial killers. I'm talking about Mother Teresa. I'm talking about Adolf, Adolf Hitler. They're all not at the same time now. They're not gonna hear his voice all at the same time in one singular resurrection. No, there's two resurrections but they all eventually are going to hear his voice. Fascinating, is it not? That's good news. So if you're not religious, should you be afraid to die? No, no you shouldn't because God, as I said, is a lot more merciful than you or I give him credit for. Let's continue that verse in John five and verse 29. It says they all were gonna hear his, uh, uh, will be called from the grave and shall come forth they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. Now, that word damnation is a poor choice of words. You know, we think of damnation. You know, just the word damnation. Oh, that's terrible. We think of condemnation, you know. Actually, if you look the word up, what it means is judgment. A resurrection of to judgment. Now, let's look at it from another translation. Same verse, different translation, and we'll get a better understanding. John 5 and verse 29, And shall come forth, they that have done good into the resurrection of life. That's one resurrection. And they that have done ill unto the resurrection of judgment. That's the second resurrection. So, you know, that, that more clarifies the meaning of the word. Not so much damnation or condemnation. It's talking about a resurrection to judgment, a judgment period of time when these people will be judged. Now, this second resurrection is the exact same one that your Bible speaks of in Revelation 20 and verse five. It says, but the rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years were finished. You've heard Paul Harvey talk about the rest of the story. Well, this is the rest of the dead. So you have the first resurrection, which is the dead in Christ, true Christians who were called, you know, now. And then you have the second resurrection, or the resurrection to judgment. Now, this judgment a period of time is going to be for 100 years. How do I know that? Well, let's take a look at what your Bible says. In Isaiah 65 and verse 20. It says, there shall be no more thence an infant of days, nor an old man that has not fulfilled his days. For the child shall die a hundred years old, but the sinner being a hundred years old shall be accursed. So make no mistake about it, after this judgment period of, time, of a hundred years, the person who does not choose to repent, accept Christ, and turn his life around by the grace of God will be accursed will be destroyed in a lake of fire. Make no mistake about that, but notice what it says. It says, there shall be no more thence an infant of days. You know, I think about maybe a child who who died at a very early age. You know, my mother had a, her name was Elena, and she died just within a week after she was born. Well, this child is gonna come up in the second resurrection because she never had a chance for salvation. And did you know that I believe also that all those aborted children, children who have been aborted, 50, was it 50 million? I forget how many it is now. My mind goes blank, but it's a lot. All of those children who were murdered in the womb will be, will come up in this judgment period of time of 100 years, the second resurrection. Again, God is a lot more merciful than we give him credit for. You know what the Bible says? It says this. In 2 Peter 3 and verse 9, it says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's a far cry from 80%. According to the fundamental teaching of Christianity, 80% are going to go to hell. Only 20% even claim to be Christians. No, this says that it's God's will, that none should perish. What does that mean? None should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God has a judgment period of time of 100 years to offer people their first chance for salvation. Now, let's talk about this resurrection to judgment. <clears throat> because it's, it's sort of something that eludes us uh, We have this concept of where we read in the King James, you know, resurrection to condemnation or damnation. And we immediately think in our minds, burning in hell and all that. No, that's not what the word means. It means judgment, a resurrection to judgment. So let's talk about this, the concept here. When is a boxing match judged? When do you judge a boxing match? Before it starts? No, of course not. Now you judge a boxing match during the boxing match. Round one, round two, round three, round four, round five. It's, it's, it's being judged during each round. And it's only after the boxing match is over is a sentence rendered. Okay? Are you with me on that? It's only after it's over that a sentence is rendered. So we have this second resurrection. This resurrection for 100 years to judgment and it's only after that 100 years is over is a sentence rendered okay in other words you can't sentence people to death who never had a chance for salvation well that that wouldn't be right would it to sentence people to death who never had a chance for salvation God wouldn't do that now Consider this, let let these words sink deep into your mind here. Could it be that unbelievers have never been given a chance for salvation? That's why they're unbelievers. Because they've never been given a chance from God for salvation. You ever thought about that? And let Let me repeat it again. Could it be that unbelievers have never been given a chance for salvation? Now, I want want you to read this scripture. This is one of the most powerful verses in the Bible. The first time I understood this, and I'm not an emotional person, okay? But The first time I grasped what this verse was saying, I nearly cried. Maybe I did cry, I forget. It's a powerful verse. It's Romans 11 and verse 32. For God... Has concluded them all in unbelief that he might have mercy upon all. God has concluded them in unbelief that he might have mercy upon all. It almost sounds like a contradiction. How can you do that at the same time? You know, conclude, deliberately blind people's minds and then have mercy on it. How do you do that? Well, the mercy of god will occur at a later time during the second resurrection this i'm referring to this resurrection to judgment that jesus speaks about so what i'm saying is that there's nothing the preacher man can do about it you know if god is not if god has concluded a person in unbelief you can preach until you're blue in the face i mean you can wail and you can you know, cry out, repent, 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 come to the Lord, come to Jesus. And if God has concluded that person in unbelief, there's not a thing you can do about it. In, in fact, Jesus said, no man can come to me, get this, no man can come to me except unless the Father draw him. What do you do about that? I mean, you're going to argue against God? If God has deliberately shut a person up in unbelief, you're going to fight against God? It's God's mercy that has allowed him to, to live a life of unbelief. So, what are you going to do about it? There's nothing you can do about it. Now, consider this I may be talking to a person that God has shut up in unbelief, that in a state of unbelief. That person may be you. There may be a reason why you don't believe in God. You're not religious. You don't care for religion. You don't give a rip about religion. It's not for you. There may, you, it may be a reason you're an atheist. You ever thought about that? You may be a person that God has shut up in unbelief. Now, should you fear death? No, no, you shouldn't. You see, God is a lot more merciful than any preacher has ever revealed. He really is. He's a lot more merciful. And the concept of, you know, God tormenting people for all eternity. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. I believe in a literal hell fire. It's just that the fire I believe in it's going, it will be later on and it will burn people up. They will no longer exist. But the concept that God is right now throwing people into hell and they're burning right now, in a lake of fire right now, and have been burning. You know they'll burn for the next 10 billion years. Is that your idea of a merciful God? It's not mine. I don't know where you get your ideas from. You're definitely not getting them from the Bible. I guarantee you that. Now, did did Jesus talk about this day of judgment? Yes, he did. Let's take a look at it. Matthew 11 and verse 20. Then began he to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done because they repented not. Now, let me explain something. Jesus had been preaching to his own people there, and a lot of them just thrown their nose up in God and said, ah, that's Joseph boy, you know. He, he's, not, he's, he's one of us, he can't be nobody. And Jesus begins to get upset at these people who should have known better. They had seen his miracles. Miracle after miracle, raising people from the dead, healing sick people. And they should have known better, and they rejected the Messiah. And Jesus says this in Matthew 11, verse 24. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. Notice this. Now, get the pictures. He's speaking to a group of people, and he's saying, look, it's going to be more tolerable The people in Sodom are going to have a better chance in the day of judgment than for you people. And let me tell you a little bit, something about Sodom. He's referring to an incident that occurred about 3,000 years earlier, Sodom and Gomorrah. And the people, the the men of Sodom and Gomorrah, they enjoyed having sex, the men enjoyed having sex with other men more than they did the women. You know, they were Sodomites, they were perverts, and god came to a point where he just had enough i mean he sent two angels there to rescue lot and the and the, the men of the town looked and they they looked at the angels and of course they didn't realize they were angels but they they banged they banged on the door and said let us in that we may have sex with them the, the angels you know i mean just just a bunch of rotten filthy perverts what they were and lot comes out and says "No, no no don't do this here i have two virginal daughters that's sort of crazy to think about. Here's a father offering his two virginal daughters to these sodomites. But maybe it was just the fact that Lot knew they wouldn't, that, that the men wouldn't take them. They didn't want the women. They, did not want, they wanted the men. And get, get this. They wanted the men to have sex with the men. Men wanted to have sex with men. It's called homosexuality, okay? It's a rotten, filthy sin. All right. And they said, no, nah, we don't want the women. We want the men. And God had enough and God destroyed that town, that city, with like a nuclear blast. Just burn them up. And here Jesus is, 3,000 years later, saying to these people that were rejecting him of his day, he's saying, look, it's gonna be more tolerable for the land of Sodom you know, in the day of judgment than for you people. In other words, these people, who were destroyed by that fire, are going to come up in this second resurrection, and they're going to be given a chance, get this, to turn their lives around. They're going to be given a chance to accept Christ, repent of their sins, and turn their lives around. You know, people who die in their sins, really, to me, have never had a chance for salvation. People that, who die in their sins. You know, because that's, that's not a chance for salvation, people that die in their, you know, Hitler, I don't think Hitler had a, ever had a chance for salvation. He was a demoniac. He was demon-possessed. Serial killers who die and the men of Sodom, they never had a chance for salvation. The unbeliever, they never had a chance for salvation. What I'm saying is that everybody gets at least one chance for salvation according to God's timing not according to the preachers, not according to the churches that dot our land, according to God's timing, everybody's gonna get at least one chance for salvation. You know, a friend of mine once said, a minister friend said, God will not call a person one second before they're willing, willing to accept the truth. And I've always liked that little statement, God will not call a person one second before they're willing to accept the truth. You know, God looks at the heart, and if he sees your heart is unwilling to accept, the truth he's just going to blind your eyes he's going to put you in a state of unbelief and you may live and you may die in that state of unbelief it doesn't mean that you're lost forever it just means that god's not messing with you right now god looks at the heart <laughs> you know don't under, ever underestimate your power of free moral agency. Your ability to choose to do the right thing or the wrong, don't ever underestimate that because God doesn't underestimate that. <clears throat> now I wanna offer you something, a little booklet here. And this book was inspired by a, man, a minister. A minister wrote this book. He was flying across the United States and a flight attendant, he, the woman struck up a conversation with this minister that wrote this book. In fact, the, the whole incident is what inspired him to write this book. The flight attendant had just lost her father. And she said, my father was not really, he was not a Christian, and he wasn't that you know, good of a man, He didn't claim to be. And at the funeral of her father, she asked the priest who did the funeral about her father. And the priest said, your father, because he wasn't saved, is now burning in hell. And with tears in her eyes, she asked this minister who wrote this book what he thought. And he began to explain to her a different God. A God that would call no one until they were willing to accept the truth. A God that would give every person a chance for salvation during his timing. God's in control, you understand? Of when he offers people salvation. God is in control. And this booklet is entitled, If God So Loved the World, Why Are So Many People Going to Hell? In other words, according to mainstream's own teaching, like I said, only 20% even claim to be Christian, and according to their own fundamental concept, that means 80% are burning in hell right now. Is that true? No, it's not. If you've ever grieved over the loss of a loved one, if you ever had a, maybe a child who died in an accident, an early age or whatever, you need this book. You need to understand that God is a lot more merciful than you or I or any preacher has ever given him credit for. Order this, it's free of charge, very nice booklet. I'll send it to you. I won't sell your name to a mailing list. All you gotta do is just write and ask for it and it's yours, free. I'm not going to invite you to church. I'm not going to beg for money or anything like that. Order it, and it can be yours. <clears throat> so should you fear death? Should the atheist fear death? Should the unbeliever fear death? Should the non-religious fear death? No, but let me tell you what you should fear. You should fear me- the mess you're going to make of your life if you don't repent and allow God to change your life, to change the man in the mirror. That's what you should fear. You should, you should fear the wreck you're going to make of your life right now, in this life. If you don't repent and turn it around and ask God to forgive you and accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and receive the Holy Spirit of God. If you don't do that, you should fear the mess you're going to make of your life. Let's not forget this scripture that says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. All. Everyone gets a chance for salvation according to God's timing. Atheists, the atheist, the unbeliever, the non-religious. God is bigger than your rebellious heart. You understand? When God decides to change you, you will be transformed, okay? Why? Because God's bigger than you. He can get your attention is what I'm trying to say. And when God decides to offer you salvation and bring you out of darkness into his light, you will know it. It won't be any doubt in your mind. So let's understand this, that God is gracious, God is good, and God has a plan that none should perish, but that all, and yes, I do mean all, that's his goal. All should come to repentance and have eternal life, but it's gonna occur according to God's timing. And that's what's really in your Bible.
0: Traditional Christian teachings about hell would consign at least 80% or more of humanity straight to an eternal and never-ending torment in an ever-burning hell when they die. Is this really the action of a just and merciful God? Order your free copy of If God So Loved the World, Why Are So Many People Going to Hell. If you have ever been concerned about the spiritual condition of a lost loved one, then you need to read this book. You will come to understand that God truly is a merciful, compassionate God that will give everyone a chance for salvation according to His timing. Order by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia 24151 Also, check us out on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.com